Thanks, Fabian, for praying. And uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Christ Central. It's good to see you. Good morning. There we go. I'll give you time to respond. Uh, it's great to see you. My name's Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors. And uh, it's so so good to be together this morning. I'm glad you decided to join us in the 9 a.m. service. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in our sermon series uh, titled Revived by Grace, a study in the life of Jacob, uh, looking at the Old Testament book of Genesis. Uh, we've been in this series for uh, a number of weeks now, and we'll continue this morning. But before uh, I jump in, I wanted to let you know that this morning is going to be a little bit uh, of a different service or, or a little bit different sermon, I should say. Uh, every year around uh, this time of the year, end of January, beginning of February, we like to take a Sunday to uh, refocus and realign our church to the vision that God has placed upon our hearts for the ministry year. Uh, so the ministry year, if you did not know, uh, we kind of treat that as August through July. Uh, we also realize that the beginning of the calendar year is this time too, so it kind of is a little bit confusing, but uh, we, we take this time midway through the ministry year at the beginning of the calendar year to kind of realign uh, us as a church uh, to what God has placed upon our hearts and where he's calling us to, to go and who he wants us to be. And so this morning, I'm going to do, do this in a few ways. The first is I'm going to highlight our annual report that is fresh off the press right here. There you go. Uh, uh, you can pick one up uh, as you head out uh, of the service. And then I also want to remind us uh, as a church what uh, the vision and priorities were as we began the ministry year uh, in August and September. And then lastly and mostly, I want to take our scripture text and let it reframe us as God's people and use it as a vision of God and a vision of who he's calling us to be as his people. And so if you will, let me, let me start uh, by highlighting our annual report. I, I want to say a special thanks to Bradley Moore, Tate Heisler, and a few others who put hard work in uh, to working on this report. It looks awesome. We have copies, as I said, that are in the back on the way out you can grab. Um, but a few things in here that I want to mention that we'll have some slides to highlight. The, uh, one thing is God, one, God's just been really faithful uh, to Christ Central Church, and we're, we're really thankful uh, to how God has been at work in our church. And a couple of, of things that will show God's faithfulness, as you can see on the screen, uh, and this is 2022, all right? This is uh, the, from January through December of 2022, uh, 522 in attendance on Sunday morning average. Uh, you'll see here that, that God has been growing uh, that uh, in, in the past semester and in this year already. 23 city groups, 314 city group participants. We still have a large number of people who are joining us online. And so if you're watching this online, thank you for joining uh, and being with us. Uh, and uh, our membership has continued to grow. Uh, you can see in the next slide the, the kind of trend of, of what's happening here again. Uh, 27 baptisms, 80 new members in the year, 27 communicants, that's membership, uh, children who've professed faith in Christ and have joined as communing members. And so uh, really just encouraged by how God is at work in this church. And, uh, and then also uh, we're grateful for how uh, God has been uh, at work in other ways. But I will say this, coming out of 2022, uh, we've just been kind of trying to reestablish ourselves as a church. I mean, the pandemic took its toll on all churches and all people. And uh, as we're reestablishing ourselves, trying to discern who we are, Christ Central, uh, here in Durham, who God's calling us to be as we move forward. Um, that, that's kind of how we've used this past year, and God has been faithful to grow our church and to reestablish us. And he's also been faithful to, to through you and, you, and uh, your generosity to the church and giving of your resources. As you can see in the, the next slide right here, uh, total giving for the year was around $2.36 that came in. Uh, you can see that 
we commit to giving 10% to mission and mission partners, and then we give on top of that to mercy and justice initiatives and counseling needs within our, our church. And so God has been faithful through your generosity. Now, I will say this, our church is way more. It's not just numbers and it's not money. The church is its people. Uh, and I love the people of our church. I love who God's calling to be a part of our church. And uh, so new, bap new baptisms, communicants, members, city group participants, these are people. These are the souls of people who are engaged and involved in seeing uh, God work by his grace to, to make us more into his image and calling us to be a part of his mission uh, here in Durham and beyond. Uh, and so I love who God's bringing to this church. I also love our staff team. We have an incredible staff team. If you didn't know, in 2022, we added four new staff members. Uh, Rose Abernathy, who's our Associate Youth Ministry Director. Fabian, who's been up here this morning as our ministry intern. Emilio Hood is our Youth Ministry Director. And Will Gray is our Interim Executive Director. And so these were big hires in the past year uh, because uh, the leadership of our church, not just our staff, but our lay leaders, uh, we've been seeking to prayerfully and faithfully steward what God is doing in this church as he's growing us and uh, who he's making us to be. We want to be faithful uh, and we're thankful for how God is at work uh, in this church. Uh, and so that's kind of the annual report. You can grab that on the way out. It's going to be digitally uh, available as well. And you can see more info there. Uh, but if you were here in August and September, uh, this is the second thing I want to do is remind us what the vision was as we entered into this ministry year. We anchored ourselves in and the, the vision of the year was kind of birthed out of Psalm 85 verse 6 uh, where the prayer there is revive us again, O Lord, to turn us back, to, to cause our hearts to return home to life in communion with God. And as this happens, we're praying that we would be a people who rejoice in God, receive his love, and that we implement uh, the become uh, vision initiatives that if you've been here for years know about. Again, more of that's in uh, the annual report. But our hope and prayer this ministry year is that God would truly, coming out of the last two to three years, turn us back to him wholeheartedly. That we as his people would fully surrender to him, to him. And as we return home to God, that we would rest in his steadfast love, that we would rejoice in our salvation that's Psalm 85 as well. And that as we rest in his love and we rejoice in his salvation, that re renewal and revival would spread through our congregation, to our city, and to the world like a virus. That God would infect us uh, with his grace in such a way that it would spread. And this leads me now uh, to our passage this morning. And, and as I've meditated and studied the passage that we're going to look at on Jacob this morning, God has used it to captivate my imagination with who God is and with who he wants his people to be. I don't know how many of you enter in through the doors on, off of Mangum Street and come in this way. I think most of you probably do. Uh, but as you step through those doors, the first thing you normally see if we're not having a baptism on a Sunday morning is the baptismal font. Uh, the first thing you see is the baptismal font in the center of that wall, and that's intentional. That's purposeful because we want everyone who enters the worship uh, service every Sunday morning to to be reminded that we all enter through the waters of God's mercy and God's grace. And above that baptismal font, there is a white wall that I've been racking my brain for a long time of what could go on that wall. And I've wanted it to be art that communicates who God is and who his people are to be. I've wanted it to be something really good and haven't been able to pull the trigger on anything quite yet. But I think if I or our church had tons of money to spend on art, and that was a high priority for our church, then I might get a really good, maybe even famous artist to paint the scene 
in the passage that we're going to look at together this morning. I might want this scene to hang above the baptismal font. It's a well-known scene in the life of Jacob, and it gives us a clear picture of who God is and who he wants his people to be. And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to the reading of God's word. In Genesis 32, verses 22 to 32. This is Jacob wrestling with God. This is the word of God to us this morning. The same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children. He crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we need you to illumine your word, to fall fresh upon the scriptures so that our minds might be enlightened, our hearts might be softened, so that you might plant your word in us and bear your fruit in our lives. I pray that you would transform us because you have spoken to us. Jesus, may you speak, may we listen, and I pray that as I preach the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, one of, one of my all-time favorite children's books is Runaway Bunny. If you've read it, it in it, a, a little bunny tells his mother that he's going to run away. And in order to run away, he'll become various things. He'll become a fish. He'll become a rock on a high mountain. He'll become a bird. Various things that he says he will run away and become. And each time, if you've read the book, then you know that his mother says, well, if you become a fish, I'll become a fisherman and I'll fish for you. If you become a rock on a high mountain, I'll become a mountain climber and I'll climb to you. Wherever you go and whatever you do, I'll pursue you. And finally, the little bunny resigns himself to, to stay where he is, to remain in his mother's love and in his mother's presence. It's one of my favorite all-time children's stories because it's a story of relent, the relentless pursuit of love. And every single one of us has the longing to be pursued with love, be it from a parent, from a friend, from a spouse. But there's only one pursuit of love that never fails us. And it's the pursuit we see in Genesis 32. God's relentless pursuit of love. God's ferocious pursuit of our heart. And this is the vision I pray that we always have of God here at Christ Central. That we trust and that we believe in a God who is deeply committed to pursue us. And to bring us into his presence and into his love even when we run away. And Jacob has been on the run since we started this sermon series. He's running away from Esau's brother. 
because he stole Esau's birthright. He's afraid that in Esau's anger, Esau might kill him. He's running away from Isaac, his dad, because he tricked his dad into giving him the covenantal blessing that he wanted to give to Esau, the oldest. And then Jacob runs to his uncle Laban. And his uncle Laban deceives Jacob and squeezes 14 years of hard work out of him for both of his daughters, Leah and Rachel. And now Jacob is running again. He's been on the run away from home for 20 years. But as he's been on the run, God has been in pursuit of Jacob, even as he's been running away. God has been providentially working through his grace to cause Jacob's heart to turn back to God, to return home to God. He's been at work transforming Jacob. So we pick up here in chapter 32, and Jacob is now a changed man. He's been spiritually awakened. He's growing up into spiritual maturity, and he's returning home. But he finds himself between a rock and a hard place. He's afraid to move forward, and he's afraid to go back. Jacob has schemed and lied and stolen. He's understandably afraid of Esau, that Esau is very angry. So Jacob's not sure he can move forward because he doesn't know what Esau will do when they meet. And he's afraid to go back because his trickster of an uncle, Uncle Laban, awaits him there. And he doesn't know what that will be like. So stuck between a rock and a hard place, unsure of what to do, Jacob now, a different man, by the grace of God, prays and pleads with God in Genesis 32, verses 9 to 12. I didn't read those verses. But there, Jacob prays this incredible prayer, the longest prayer recorded in the book of Genesis. And it's not a prayer like this. God, I feel stuck. And I'm so sorry. I promise that if you get me out of this situation, that I will give you blank. That's not how Jacob prays here. I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer. I have uh, too many times. God, I'm so sorry for my bad decisions, the choices that I've made that that have caused this situation. If you get me out of this, God, I promise that I will never do it again. I promise that I will give you this. Kind of a manipulative prayer. Right? God, if you will do, then I will do. But that's not what Jacob is praying. In Jacob's prayer, Jacob is saying, God, I've got nowhere else to, to go. I've got nowhere else to turn, so I will hold on to you. He's not trying to manipulate God. He's crying out in desperation and in dependence on God. By the way, the clearest evidence that someone belongs to the Lord is the willingness and readiness to call on the name of the Lord who has promised to save you and keep you. And so Jacob, he's growing in spiritual maturity. It's evidenced in his prayer, and it's also evidenced in Jacob's desire to repay Esau for the sins that he committed against him. In verses 13 to 21, earlier in chapter 32, in Jacob's repentance, he sends most of his resources to Esau as a gift, as a way of making restitution for his sin. Again, clear evidence of Jacob being changed here and clear evidence of true repentance in a person's life is a changed life, changed actions. And so now we come to our passage. And God's not finished working on Jacob. He's in pursuit of Jacob's whole heart. And that's what he's after with you, your whole heart, your whole self. And in order to get your whole heart, God is prepared to wrestle with you and make you limp, just like he does with Jacob. And this is where I've been captivated by a vision of who God is calling us to be as his people. That we would be a people, Christ Central Church, who wrestle with God and who live with a limp. 
a church full of wrestlers and limpers. And these are the two things that I want us to look at together. The first is a church full of wrestlers. In verse 22, Jacob took his two wives, two female servants, crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them, he sent them across, and everything else that he had, don't miss that, everything else that he had, he sent across. Verse 24, Jacob was left all alone. He's all alone. No resources. No next moves. Afraid to go forward, afraid to go back. And out of nowhere, this mystery man bum rushes Jacob, jumps on him, and they start wrestling. And Jacob has to be thinking, Esau found me. Here we go, brother against brother. Or, or maybe, this is, maybe this is Uncle Laban. He, he's found me. And so he's going toe-to-toe with his deceiving uncle until this mystery man, this mystery person, reaches out their finger and touches the hip socket of Jacob. And then Jacob knows what we all know, that this person is a manifestation of God. He's wrestling with God. In this wrestling match, it's not like what I grew up watching on WWF. And this, this isn't like Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, kind of pretend wrestling. Jacob and God are going at it. Jacob is using all of his strength and might as he wrestles with God. This wrestling match is a, is a little bit more like how I wrestle with my sons, my three sons. I'll get in the floor of the bedroom and it's, ding, ding, let's go. Let's wrestle. And they come at me full strength. And I exert my strength. But I know just how much strength to exert so that I don't hurt them. And then they get a little angry and fired up and they start wrestling harder. And I finally fall onto the ground. They jump on top of me and they rejoice in victory. But we all know that at any point, I can break them. Right? I can pick them up, slam them on the ground. And without a question, we know who the clear winner is. I don't do that. And neither does God. God could have obliterated Jacob, but he lets Jacob wrestle. He lets Jacob use all of his strength. And they're going back and forth until God touches his hip socket. God touches Jacob's source of strength and balance. And Jacob knows that all he can do is but hold on as tight as possible to God. And he cries out in desperate prayer for a blessing. Bless me, God, bless me. Jacob knows that the lesser is always blessed by the greater. He is acknowledging as he hangs on for his very life that he's the lesser and that God is the greater. Listen, God has piled blessings on Jacob's life up until this point. And God has piled blessings on our life. And we can have it all and miss the central thing like Jacob. That it's not the blessings of God, but the the blessing that matters. And the blessing is that God has your whole heart. The blessing is being in a relationship with God fully surrendered, all of your life his, and enjoying the blessing of his presence and his promises. God then asked Jacob his name, and he says, Jacob, which if you've been here, you know, means deceiver, cheater, trickster. God knows his name, but he wants Jacob to say it. He wants Jacob to say, I'm a heel grabber. I am a rebel who looks out just for myself. God wants confession. He wants him to confess his sin. He wants him to confess that he is a sinner. And this is the place one must go in order to really understand and experience the heart of God and his relentless love. We must confess our need. And Jacob does this. And then in verse 28, God says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. 
For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. God gives them a brand new identity. This is the pattern of the Christian life. Confession of weakness and need, receiving a new identity. We confess our sin, our sinful actions. We cry out in need, knowing that there's nowhere else to turn but to God. And then God gifts us. God reminds us of our true identity, that we are loved by God. We are forgiven by God. We are saints in Christ. Now, it's not easy to live out of this place of confession and true identity. And so to do so, God invites us into and God will even initiate a wrestling match to get us to the place where we know the only thing we can hold on to is God himself. And what I'm talking about is prayer. That God invites us to pray by asking our questions. He welcomes our questions. God welcomes our shouting because of our frustrations. God's not afraid of all that is inside of us. He already knows it. And so he welcomes us to come and to wrestle with him in prayer. So that's what I pray our church is filled with. Men and women, boys and girls, who wrestle with God in prayer. People who hold on tightly to God. And as we leave the wrestling match of prayer, we are reminded of our true identity, beloved children of God, in whom all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. We will prevail because God is with us. A church full of wrestlers. Lastly, I'd love for us to be a church full of limpers. And God touches the hip socket of Jacob in verse 31. says, Jacob passed Peniel limping because of his hip. Hear me. God is so relentless to have your heart that he is prepared to dislocate your hip. God will touch the very thing you've depended on your whole life in order to humble you into dependence on him. I love verse 31. If there was an artist that was going to paint this scene for us that would hang on the wall above the baptismal font, I would want them to really make verse 31 clear in the painting. Jacob limping and the sun rising upon him. This is the Christian life. Men and women who've been dislocated by the work of God in their lives and caused to limp under the mighty hand of God. Men and women who are conscious for the rest of their lives of weakness and dependence so that they live in the power of God as the sun shines upon them. Have you experienced God touching the very things or places you've, you've depended on apart from him? Have you experienced that? It hurts. It hurts. Maybe you've encountered someone that you know who lives with a limp. You know, you've been around someone, they just, they, you know, they live with a limp, spiritually speaking. Ten times out of ten, I guarantee you that that person experienced the valley of the shadow of death. They've experienced hardship and suffering. They've had to walk with God in the valley and learned weakness and dependence, and they've come out of it with a limp. But the limp is the blessing. The limp is God's insignia upon his people, for it is in weakness where we experience the Son of God shining upon us. So I ask, do you live with a limp? Living with a limp is foolishness to the world, but it is the power of God. It is the blessing of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that the cross of Christ is foolishness to the world, but it is the power of God to those who believe. Jesus wrestled with his Father in prayer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he pleaded 
with the cup to pass. He went toe-to-toe with his father in prayer to the point of sweating blood. And then he surrendered to his father's will, rising from prayer, knowing his identity as the son of God, his eyes fixed upon Calvary. And Jesus would receive more than just a dislocated hip. He would be scourged, mocked, hands and feet pierced. He would suffocate, breathing his last breath as he hung upon the cross. And three days later, the sun would rise in resurrection power. The relentless pursuit of God chased us to the grave and into hell to bring us back to finding life in communion with God. And as we live in weakness, limping through life, we are promised the power of the presence of God that the sun will shine upon us all our days. I heard a true story a few years ago that made me think of Runaway Bunny. There's a son named Tim. He one day decided to, to leave his family and to go live in a commune in Chicago. And this broke his family's heart. In particular, it broke his father, Joe's heart. And one day, Joe got a call from the police Sir, is your son named Tim Bailey? Yes. Well, he was arrested and he was charged with a DUI. Joe left in the middle of the night to drive to the town. He thought uh, Tim was in jail and he wasn't there. So Joe went to the next town and he wasn't there. He went to the next town. Still, Tim was not there. And so so Joe drove to downtown Chicago to the house he thought Tim lived in. And as he opened the door... There were bodies everywhere, and he saw Tim on the other side of the room. And Joe walked quietly and gingerly to Tim's side, looked down at him for a moment, and moved with compassion. He bent down, gave him a kiss, turned around, and went home. And weeks later, Tim showed up at home. And Joe and the family were greatly surprised and extremely happy. And months later, Tim would surrender his life to Christ. And then years later, Tim and Joe, father and son, were on a walk. And Joe finally asked, Tim, what brought you back home years ago? And Tim looked surprised at his dad and said, you don't know? Do you remember the night years ago when you received a call saying that I was in jail, Dad? Well, that was a prank. One of my friends made that call. And when you came to our house, I wasn't asleep. I pretended to be asleep because I wanted to see what you would do. I wondered what you would do. And all you did was bend down and kiss me gently. Dad, it was your love that brought me home. Christ Central Church, God is ferocious and he is relentless in his pursuit of us. It is his love that draws us to return home. And for God to have your heart, he is prepared to wrestle and he is prepared to make you limp. But know this, that as you wrestle with God in prayer and as you live with limp, the sun will be shining upon you all your days. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would cause our hearts to return home, to turn back and to surrender fully. Lord, it is the blessing to be in a relationship with you, with our hearts fully yours, our lives fully yours, and to know your promised presence and the promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, turn our hearts to you. And in the times when we struggle to believe it, Lord, help us to wrestle in prayer. Help us to be those who hold on tightly to you. And God, may we be a church who boasts in our weaknesses. May we be men and women, boys and girls, who walk with a limp 
knowing that the Son of God and the resurrection power of Christ shines upon us and is with us all our days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.